Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of Feel Your Fandom Podcast. My name is Saint. I want to thank you all for joining me here again. Uh, as always, I really enjoy uh, having these conversations and I'm glad to bring you all along. Today's topic is going to be centered around reboot and remake culture. Uh, subtitle is Anything Sacred. And, and I think that's kind of the driving point of the entire conversation and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, with me today as co-host is uh, my brother-in-law and good friend, Tom. Tom, Hi, how you doing? Everybody. I'm Thomas. Nice to meet you guys. All right. Uh, and as we start off every show, I'm going to ask you, Tom, uh, why don't you give us a little bit of uh, what you're interested in? Where's your fandom line? What you got? Uh, specifically in line with reboots, I think I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Um, I was 10 when Phantom Menace came out, and ev- you know everybody around me was already Star Wars fans, so was, I saw Phantom Menace... Day it came out, wrapped around the line in the block, um, you know, so um, Star Trek, uh, Next Generation is what I grew up on, and I've seen every new one, so definitely, it's big Star Wars and Star Trek as far as reboots go for sure, and every Marvel movie, big fan of those. Okay. So. Well, not if you're Martin Scorsese, holy moly. Yeah, he's, he's, I mean, he remakes stuff, so it's not like he has any room to talk either. Right. Well, okay. Well, that's wonderful. Like I said, we're going to talk today about uh, reboot and remake culture. Now, uh, as a person uh, who's interested in film, which is me, I I went to school to study film, Mm -hmm. to study writing, Mm -hmm. media communications. Mm -hmm. Um, I collect a lot of films. As as you can see in my house, I've got thousands of DVDs. um, What really interests me is the good and the bad and the ugly between what has come before and what comes after because it really seems like uh in hollywood in general we've come to uh a kind of a crossroads where uh we are remaking things uh in certain aspects because the technology is improved uh the technology is is warranting new versions of original material Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then also we tread upon the ground of uh fan outrage when they mm-hmm. remake things that don't apparently need to be remade, mm-hmm. uh, such as, I'll, I'll use as an example, Avatar The Last Airbender, uh, M. Night Shyamalan's failure of a movie. Yeah, that definitely did not need to be live-actioned. Well, I mean, and, and more to the point, they are still going to be live-action. Speaking of a remake, have you heard that Netflix is going to be doing a, a series based around Avatar The Last Airbender? Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm not saying it doesn't. I mean, it deserves... A good remake, but I'm just saying. <laughs> it deserves better than what yeah, uh, poor it, Mr. Shyamalan did to it. Right, so, for sure. um, You got a lot of uh, ground coverage these days with remakes and reboots, and uh, to the point where it almost seems like Hollywood has either stopped trying or run out of ideas. Yeah. Almost everything in the theaters these days is seemingly a reboot, a remake, a sequel, a prequel. Yeah, well, I think that's where the, the outrage is, is that people like... Original ideas. The Well, um, for in the point of reboots is that people like to see reboots that do it better and with a new twist on it. Like, mm-hmm. I, like we, I was, when we were thinking about this, I was, uh, Ocean's Eleven, I didn't know that was a remake. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, it was a uh, Frank Sinatra um, vehicle back the in the Departed day. The Departed is a remake. The Departed uh, was a remake of a Korean film, if I'm not mistaken. Right, and I've seen the Korean... I saw the Korean original before I ever saw The Departed, and I didn't realize that it was... I mean, and if, like, if you compare the two, they're pretty beat for beat. But I didn't realize it was a remake. I was a complete like, thematic change? Yeah, well, no, the it, the story tone... Like, the, it, 
it's the same beat for beat kind of like every story plot happens the same way right and they do um, a lot of that with uh, movies from other uh, other countries that come over here yeah they can't instead just of getting we- a local instead of getting localized it gets completely remade right they did that with a movie that I'm a huge fan of uh, Chamuk Park's old boy right uh, Korean movie from back in the day if you've ever should, seen it yeah it's fantastic it's incredible it's, it's a stra- very strong work a very perfect example of like a revenge uh, thriller. And then they brought it over to the United States. Uh, Stan Lee, or Stan Lee, Spike Lee uh, remade it in the United States with uh, 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 Brolin, Josh mm-hmm. Brolin. Mm-hmm. And as much as I went into that movie wanting to hate it, I didn't. They actually did a fair job of it. Well, the problem, my problem, my other side, the other, I guess the other side of the coin of that movie is that it was such, it's so soon. Cause yeah, because Old Boy only came out in Old what, Boy's the... Old Boy's post-2000. Yeah, it was like it's mid-2000s. Like yeah. Um, I think, I don't know. Don't quote me on that. But it's it's post-2000. So it's not old enough that the remake, remake is a fresh look on it. And especially that one, it's a lot of shot-for-shot fucking remake. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the same camera work and same ca- color tones. And like, you know, it's too much of a remake... When it should have just been localized, and people should have—if you want to see that movie, see the watch it with the subtitles. Right, there's I no agree. there's no reason for it be, to be localized. But I think the remake, like um, uh, the Ring, and I think I saw the the Grudge. Ring. I never being, saw the Grudge being remade for American audiences were, was effective because, like, having like it just didn't translate as well. The tension wasn't the same. In both versions. Right, because, I mean, by and large, the audience's um, sensibilities are different from right. uh, continent to continent. And, yeah. and so sometimes these remakes are, like you say, warranted to to make it more in line with what we as Americans understand as tension and horror and suspense. And yeah. like you said, with Old Boy, you're right, it was pretty shot for shot. Same thing when they redid um, Psycho. Mm-hmm. You remember when they redid Psycho mm-hmm. with Vince Vaughn? Right. Shot for shot. Yeah. You can tell the director and the actors had a reverence and a love for the original material. But at the same time, it didn't add anything. Right. I mean, it was there for... It was like art for art's sake, which I get. But at the same time, nothing new was added. Yeah. No new perspective. No new take like on the characters. The more serious old dramatic movies should stay frozen in time because you can't add anything to us like you can't remake Casablanca and add anything to it I was just thinking Citizen Kane too it's It's all it's all all dialogue like I mean the fucking Manchurian Candidate remake sucked who cares it's political thriller I think I saw part of that one but you know uh, but if you when you update Godzilla you can bring a lot to the table when you remake Godzilla just because the technological right. what we can do and i just recently saw god uh, king of the monsters or whatever that second one was called and right so you can, i mean you can bring it's a the lot. same basic concept but that they one added a lot a remake of, because you have technology and you can do a lot with it right and more to the point they tried to do that with uh, i want to say planet of the apes as well when they they did two different revamps of planet of the apes of recent memory in the mid 2000s are you talking marky mark being the first one marky mark and the monkey bunch <laughs> that's what I've called that one since it came out. And that's no denigration on Mark Wahlberg. Or Tim uh, Burton or anybody. Or Tim Burton or anybody. It's, but a good, it's actually I mean, not a bad movie. No, it was okay for what it was. But for, well, for its time. It, early 2000s and Tim Burton. And they a had a lot of star power in that. Paul Giamatti, Tim Roth, 
Marky Mark, uh, Mark Wahlberg, sorry. I know you haven't been Marky Mark for a lot of years. I don't think if you ever hear this, you're going to, you know, your bitch brother's on me better. too much. But uh, your brother's better. Yeah, I like Donnie. <laughs> oh, Donnie. But uh, a lot of good star power. Uh, uh, even Michael Clark Duncan was in that. He yeah, was it, was, fantastic. it was stacked front to back. And but, a huge budget. Huge budget. And then a couple years goes by, and they're like, okay, well, that didn't really gain any traction. So they remade it again uh, with, what was it, James Franco and... Uh, yeah, well, I think that that was... Andy Serkis. Is, um, yeah, it's like, how do, we, how do we tell this story from the start? Where, do, where did this story start from? Right. And which is a good, a good way to look at that. And like, okay, we tell the story, like, okay, play, monkeys rule the world. But how did we get there? Why? Which is yeah. a, a good Genesis story. And everybody loves everybody loves an origin story. And it was shot more realistically, I think, you know, because yeah. it, it, it didn't start with spear wielding monkeys and, and right. machine gun toting monkeys. Right. It started with it wasn't a, an experiment gone wrong. It was just right, well, and kinda. it it eased in it eased into it, right? Rather than you're just thrust into. So I would definitely mark yeah all of Planet of the Apes as a good reboot. What else do you call good reboots? Oh boy, Star Trek, right? Star Trek's good reboot. Yes and no. There's a lot that there I... There are a couple bad... There Star is a Trek lot that I can give you. than anybody. Right. We, will you go from the original series to the next generation? Next to gen, Everything seems to try to bring something new to it. Nine. And I guess if you're looking into it, uh, if we're not talking movies, Anything if we're talking else. just TV shows, mm-hmm. uh, what they've done with Discovery mm-hmm. is a fantastic reintroduction to the thematic culture that George or Gene Roddenberry left behind mm-hmm. because you have even uh, characters and, and people that were used to from the original series making appearances with Christopher Pike, with Spock, number one, the entire crew of Enterprise. They're able to touch on a lot of those concepts and bring them into a more modern way. Mm-hmm. And I, fi- I feel like they've done a really good job of modernizing it because every take on Star Trek... Uh, you get your rabid fans who get pissed off about any kind of remakes on it. And we've touched yeah. on that in a previous episode. But yeah. uh, the original series you have... I'm going to use the Klingons as an example. Mm-hmm. The original series you had the Klingons who looked like basically humans. Yeah. With different clothing. Different foreheads. Different foreheads, maybe darker skin, like yeah. makeup skin. Yeah. Then you move into the next generation where they've worked into the, the forehead ridges and the teeth appliances and the hair and the battle armor. Right. Okay? And for a lot of years, throughout uh, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and even Enterprise, that was our take on the Klingons. We had a very set-in-stone view of the Klingon Empire, mm-hmm. which I don't want to say is two-dimensional in any way, but it's never really super fleshed out. Mm-hmm. In canon. Mm-hmm. And then you have Discovery come along. And let's see, Next Generation went off the air back in the mid-90s, I want to say? Mid. 96, uh, 97? They got seven seasons. They started in 88. So it's yeah, like so right 95, around 96, depending on breaks. So we've had that long to sit with our version of the Klingons. And then Discovery comes along and attempts to flesh out the Klingons even further. They changed the appearance again, mm-hmm. which a lot of fans took ombrage with, and they gave them a bit more of an organic kind of well, background it's and feel. No, it's because I don't know if you remember this episode of Next Gen, but like, there's a Klingon's like spy, or he's an engineer, 
Right. And just like how much like healthcare is there in the Klingon world? If everybody's just a warrior and that's where they get their honor from and they're an honor-based society and all that you get is death from. Yeah, what, what good is it to be a doctor in a well, Klingon yeah, right. society? He's going to fucking build roads. Like, <laughs> what's, you know, what's the point? Are you you're just a dishonorable piece of shit because you, you know. Because you dig a You're ditch. an arborist. Yeah. It doesn't make any, you know. Right. So. And that's the it's side good, of. It's good that like every reboot or every revisiting of Star Trek gives them more character and you actually get more of their society and it's not so much oh it's just death by dishonor or dishonor by death and stuff like that and not to pound a point too hard on on Ron Moore who was a writer on Star Trek and Deep Space Nine and such he went on to do the reboot of uh, Battlestar Galactica mm. which I'm not sure if you have any experience with Battlestar Galactica back in the day the the, the original was campy and cheesy yeah. and kind of you know, in the vein of the original Star Trek. Mm-hmm. It was the GoBots. Yeah, GoBots in space. Yeah. <laughs> it was the GoBots to Transformers, for but, sure. But then they brought on um, this reboot that came along, mm-hmm. um, I want to say, a dozen years ago, mm-hmm. straight to sci-fi. And what threw a lot of people was how good it was, mm-hmm. how deep it was. Because it took the core concepts of the original and... Instead of, you know, making it uh, Alien of the Week, kind of like the old Trek did and how mm-hmm. uh, even Next Gen did for a lot of years, mm-hmm. um, they made it episodic. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you had to be there from episode to episode to get the overarching feel of the story, but that's what I feel makes it must-see TV. Right, that's how you really engage a viewer. Is right. you make them... And that's what dis- and that's what Discovery is doing as well. Yeah. There are certainly standalone episodes, and I did a count at one point, and, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but uh, I sat and counted uh, throughout the different series of Star Trek, how many episodes were two and three parters, four parters, something that drove along a, mm-hmm. a narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Next Generation, it would be things like uh, the Borg. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and that's. Sorry. They, oh, no. they, well, they pick up threads that like they shouldn't have, like Q. They revisit the character Q quite often, Gen, at least once a season, sometimes twice, and it's never. It's like a go-to. It's never good, right? He's not an inner. He doesn't bring shit to the table, and so it's just like you get. And then they started bringing him into the other series too, Deep Space Nine yeah, and, and, and Voyager. He's, he's been and garbage. I mean, I like the actor, John Delancey. Yeah, but is it uh, as those stories are always bad because it feels like they're phoning it in. And, and that's yeah, where the complete departures from like the Robin Hood episode of Next Gen. It, <laughs> that'll stick out in your mind. You're like, well, I don't remember Next Gen episodes, but you remember Picard <laughs> dressed as fucking Robin Hood. That's a Q episode, dude. I know. And, <coughs> and, and, and by and large, I feel like a lot of those... Uh, the, the reason that I like Deep Space Nine as much as I like Deep Space Nine, and a lot of people will agree or disagree with me. I mean, for what it was worth, I felt that Deep Space Nine, once it hit its stride in season three... Uh, the overarching story became the Dominion War, mm-hmm. uh, which is a super nerdy cut. If you're not into that, sorry. But yes, uh, the uh, Federation went to war with the Dominion Empire in the Gamma Quadrant. And that conflict that is a deep cut. spanned the entire rest of the series. Well, that's good when you have a cornerstone and, like that, though. And, yeah, and I think really, that's like, why... focus around. Because next gen, yeah. you're right, it's... it's it's a serial where you're just like, what's going on in this episode? Well, I'm going to go back and watch the rest of the right. episodes. And you're like, well, where's Wesley? It's like, well, he got booted out a couple seasons ago. You had to be there. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think Star Trek's reboots 
have gotten better and better as time goes on. And they're going to continue to, I think, and because they're, yeah. they're starting to be able to read their fans a little bit better and a little more clearly and realize that the episodic content is something that keeps people engaged mm-hmm. because they've done that with Discovery now. Discovery's season one arc was all one overlaying story. Mm-hmm. Season two picked up where season well, one left TV off. TV as a whole has started to go that way, and I'm really glad to see it. That, Absolutely. That because of reboots and like we get to go revisit our old favorite franchises with new light and good, better production makes them better. That's like, why all, all over. It's a better experience, even if it wasn't better writing. Absolutely. Better made. I think that's why some of my favorite shows have gone on to such uh, uh, high popularity and high fandom base, mm-hmm. like Breaking Bad was one story start to finish there was no deviation there was no real yeah there's no b blot yeah exactly it's walter white starting off as mild-mannered teacher with cancer Mm -hmm. ending as criminal scumbag that's it point a point b point a to point b is showing you how we got there Mm -hmm. and of course you're doing the exact reverse with jesse pinkman Mm -hmm. going from criminal scumbag to sympathetic character by the end of the show. Yeah. And that's great because those developing arcs are what bring us to it. Now, we are kind of uh, <laughs> dancing away from the topic of reboot and rethread, but uh, I think a lot of what's right with reboots um, is when they turn more of their attention towards story-based uh, production versus you know creature of the week, like the original Star Trek. Yeah, was. well, I th- yeah, I think... The it's what where can we revisit these properties in interesting way versus how can we get Tom Cruise to scream in the Mummy? It's just like how can we? Ca- what, <laughs> I didn't what, see that one. What can, I've what, heard it what was can bad. we do with to re-explore these things that are interesting and thought-provoking versus how can we cash in? And Star Trek is one that's always going to be interesting and thought-provoking, even though CBS is known to just cash bring out CSI six through seven, Miami, <laughs> Vegas, New York. You know, CBS. CBS is, is not CBS afraid to cash grab. Always been the spinoff industry, mm-hmm. and so it's nice to see them do something that's like, yeah, sure, it's a, it might be a spinoff and a reboot, but it's high quality and it's very interesting and it's a good world to be doing. Speaking it of which, as a next gen fan, have you been watching the trailers for Picard? I haven't. Um, I'll remind me to I don't show watch you trailers that. for anything though. You know that. Oh, that's okay. Um, but so, how do you feel about Star Wars though being rebooted? Because it's like it's not a reboot; it's the same it's story. It's kind of a retread. It's a it's a retread. Do you feel it's a reboot? Do you feel it should be something that we should talk about? Talk, jump Absolutely, in and, and I think to, to a degree we got to talk about um, uh, when Star Wars came back with uh, the Force Awakens. Right, um, a new hope redo. A lot of people gave it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they called it a new hope redo, and and I think to a certain degree, there's two sides of that, and I think to a certain degree they're right. There is a lot of a new hope in that movie right. because they're introducing it to a new audience. The audience who grew up with a new hope, like me, mm-hmm. uh, I think <laughs> what seventy seven. I was born yeah. the year that Star Wars came out. Right. So uh, to say I was raised up on Star Wars is selling it mildly. That's been my jam since as long as I can remember. Right. Empire Strikes Back, my favorite yeah. of the movies. It's foundational, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But what I feel like is uh, something that even the prequels really couldn't touch on is 
bringing the audiences into the overarching Skywalker storyline in a way that makes it relevant mm -hmm. uh, to the now. Mm -hmm. um, and being able to touch on those themes while continuing with the story. Right. Uh, for Very instance, yeah, for instance, uh, they bring on your new Jedi, yep. which would be Ray. Mm -hmm. They bring on your new Flyboy, which would be Poe. Mm -hmm. uh, they bring on, well, I don't know, what role would Finn really fit into? I thought he was going to be the new Jedi also in the first one. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the second one really dropped that thread. So mm -hmm. I'm not really sure what they were building him up as, to be honest. Right. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure either. Um, and, and more to the point, I'm not sure that it really matters because we are always going to have a need to reintroduce characters. Mm -hmm. It's been since the original trilogy ended in 1983. We've had the prequels alone mm -hmm. to reintroduce us to these characters mm -hmm. that we know and love and reintroduce us to these stories that we know and love. And so I think there was a need to go over something a little bit more familiar to make it an easy way in to branch out the story a bit more. I feel like that's a very important point because the prequels were, hey, this is how Darth Vader got started. And it's like, okay, but there's a good 30 year, or not 30, I mean, you know, they kind of fudge it. Uh, they kind of fudge it. But let's say Luke is 20. 18, the 18 in A New Hope. Okay, so there's 18 years in between there that are very important story bits. Mm -hmm. So, but... It's like you you don't you don't lose out on a lot. I feel like in between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, I feel like you you kind of get the bits because it picks up the story mm -hmm. versus like starting the story. You know, picking up a story is a lot. You, you're more familiar with it than starting a story. You're right, because you're still using like, how the do we same get, how characters. Do we get, and... How or okay, we're starting at B. How did we? get from A to B, it's just like, well, pod racing was involved somehow. <laughs> so it's, a, it's, you know, it's, it's a lot easier and it's a lot better to retread something than to start afresh. Right. And, and I think, I don't think it's that, I, don't, I just don't think it's too bad of a sin. I, the, and like how many ways can you tell a hero's journey in writing, you know? Right. It's all very, uh, Joseph Campbell, a hero with a thousand faces right. talks about the hero's journey and that's where George Lucas, uh, initially got a lot of his inspiration. Yeah. I mean, you've got your, it's it's a three part story. Right. It's Harry you, Potter. You it's, got your introduction. It's, it's the same story over and over again. Youthful it's introduction. Just, mm -hmm. uh, Luke is a boy on Tatooine. Mm -hmm. Harry's a ten year old boy living under the stairs. Mm -hmm. uh, you got your middle ground. Luke is now a burgeoning hero, mm -hmm. learning how to fit into the skin that he's created for himself mm -hmm. during the rebellion. Mm -hmm. Harry is learning how to deal with the fact that he's the one who has to defeat Voldemort. Mm -hmm. And then you got your Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. Luke is a fully-fledged and realized hero mm -hmm. and has to take down the villain once and for all. Harry is a fully-realized hero. And I mean, I'm not shit on Ron or Hermione or any of those other characters, but just keeping the Luke Skywalker archetype going. Right. Uh, it's very much the same yeah. basic yeah. concept. All of these movies are the same basic concept. Yeah. Look at The, the Matrix. Mm-hmm. You ha it, and it's very much a Jesus allegory. I know it is. It doesn't matter to me one way or another. You got Neo starting out, young, burgeoning hero, well, doesn't a, know who he is, doesn't fit is in. A trans and, allegory because the Wachowskis were both 
Yeah, becoming who you were meant to be. Yeah, 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 Jesus. Absolutely. And then, you know, of course, in the middle movie, you have him, you know, fitting into his role, and then by the end, he's basically fucking all-powerful. And now they're bringing out four, and I have no idea what the hell they're going to do with four. I don't even care what it's about. I'm going to see it day one. Oh, I'm going to put my money down for sure. Uh, The Wachowskis have done me no wrong in this regard, so. I mean, I even forgive the sins of uh, the second uh, Matrix movie, because... I mean, overall, the story was great. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Uh, the, to um, me, the Matrix cannot be touched. I love all three of those. I'm trying to think uh, other uh, reboots. Okay, now let's talk about um, reboots you don't feel should have happened. Well, let's talk about reboots that sh- we've seen been done that, yeah, sh- didn't go out well. So Didn't go well. We see a new Superman every few years since. Mm-hmm. We went from Christopher Reeves, who did a really, really good job in the role. Mm-hmm. Then we had the Brandon Routh remake, which I did not hate and i, I get a lot really of shit it. from that i did like it he was so reverent one, right? what's that the that's spacey the, one the yeah spacey one yeah they were so reverent mm-hmm. to uh the original christopher reeves movies and even spacey as hammy as he was fit his lex luthor fit in so well with gene hackman's version of, of lex luthor mm-hmm. that i felt again reverence for the character reverence for you know brandon routes portrayal uh, as superman and mm-hmm. clark kent respectively um i feel like they took a lot of time and effort to make it beholden to the source material mm-hmm. and it got a never-ending amount of shit that movie did not do well yeah no. so it, it was not well received like you said we were replaced with man of steel man of steel which i did not like yeah um not to be hating on Zack snyder but i don't like the whole grim dark it's so movies. dark and Superman, I get Batman being dark. Okay? Yeah, he's always been grim, dark, try hard. It's always grim, dark, try hard. Exactly. Yeah. Batman has to be grim, dark, try hard. The only Batman that I say broke that, that mold was of this, of this episode is grim, dark, grim, try dark, try hard. Try hard. Yeah. <laughs> the only Batman I feel that broke that mold was Adam West, and yeah. that that Batman, that version of Batman, that whole continuity was something different, something special. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Tim Burton's Batman. Christian Bale's Batman, mm-hmm. and even Ben Affleck's Batman. All of those characters are geared to be in the dark. Mm-hmm. And that's what Batman is. Mm-hmm. Or at least has been since, I want to say the mid-80s, when they yeah. changed his format again. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, is Superman was never that. Superman's always been catching planes like a fly ball. He was the Happy counterpoint. Yeah. He was supposed to be the counterpoint. Yep. And, and I think that's where Man of Steel <laughs> fell down. And I think that's where Wonder Woman stood up mm. because Wonder Woman was great. Wonder Woman was fantastic mm-hmm. um, because it wasn't grimdark. There was a bit of grimdark to it, but we're in a war scenario, so it has to be. Yeah. World but war they II treated the character in with a lightness and a frivolity almost mm-hmm. that you just didn't have with Superman. Yeah. And they did the same thing with Aquaman. You had that same guitar riff every time she showed up that just kept things kind of light and fun. You know what I mean? <laughs> you hear I'm that serious. thing like, kick off and you're like, all right. Dun, 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 dun. You're like, all right, well, we're here to save the day. It's not like, oh, man, Superman's really sad right now. Why did you say that name? Um, but I think, I mean, Superman kind of gets some buff, but all in all, not too bad. But what really was bad, amazing Spider-Man. Spider-Man 1 and 2, Sam Raimi. Best. Sp- Spider-Man, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man Amazing. movies were fantastic, kicked especially off, kicked off this last twenty years, of especially movie making, two. Real. And and I'm not going to even take anything away from uh, 
from from our Spider-Man there. Mm-hmm. But I gotta give it Toby, to Toby was great. Toby was great, but I gotta give it to fucking Doc Ock, man. Oh, dude, amazing performance. He was so good in that movie. And you, like, you know, say wife, what you want when about his wife eats it, you know, look in his eyes. Yeah, yeah good stuff. say what you want about Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin. I'm something of a scientist dude, myself. Well, you know, okay, we fine, all, We all look back on and meme on it now. No, <laughs> those those are great performances, especially for the tone of the movie. It's early and for two, the time. It's 2001. Absolutely. We hadn't had a good Spider-Man up to that point. And so I and we thought... Didn't, we didn't, I don't think we had a good superhero movie besides Blade. Fine. Blade was great. I'm, not, Blade. I'm not saying like Superman wasn't a good movie or anything that might have come before that, but like... Spider-Man set the bar very high, and I think right. the Marvel movies had to live up to Spider-Man. I agree. I yeah. agree. And and I think that when uh, Sam Raimi kind of lost the, the plot, and it wasn't necessarily even his fault with three, the part uh, that the three, the reason the three kind of went off the rails was the studio involvement yeah. became so yeah. overbearing and heavy-handed that he just finally fucking threw his hands up and said, you get what you get. Right. They were trying to sell toys on that one for sure. Right. They wanted more villains, they more want, villains. They, they wanted three villains. You, you want New Goblin. You want yeah. Venom. You well, want they had Sandman. A, they had a story that was written in the second one to continue in the third, and they were like, nah. Fuck it. We really need to sell Venom toys, though, because like, he's, he's the hot dude. And it was so badly done. It was horrible. Nothing though. against Telfer Grace. I like no, Telfer I mean, Grace as whole, an actor. He's fantastic. Yeah, the whole movie's are just a... a kind real, of. Yeah, three was just kind of... Um, but yeah, so... All right, we agree. First two movies are great. So as a whole, we'll say that's a set. But then it gets rebooted with The Amazing Spider-Man because Sony thinks that's how you print money. Well, not to the point of that, but the same reason we keep getting shitty retreads of the Fantastic Four... The studio owns the rights, but they yeah. can only keep the rights so long as they pump out a movie movies. every six years or something. And like at that. that point, the Tobey Maguire franchise had already shit the bed, yep. so they couldn't go back to that. Yep. They had to go with something new. And I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say I didn't hate Amazing Spider-Man. A I, lot of people did. I actually think that it's really good, and I just but it's when you hold them up to the to Sam Raimi's one and two, it doesn't compete, and it doesn't compete with the newest set either. No, so oh my gets, god, Tom Holland is it's fucking just, amazing. It's just swept under the rug and lost in time as like, eh, well, Sony was just padding the books for a few years and it's just like, well, that sucks. And they do that a lot with Fantastic Four, too. Fantastic now. Four. Have you seen the two that came out uh, with uh, Michael Chiklis as the thing and Jessica Alba? Yeah, the, ori- the first, well, not the original oh, and two because it was a 90s and one that nobody ever saw. Chris Evans. But yeah, the Chris Evans is the Flame Boy, or not Flame Boy. <laughs> Flame Boy. That's a great name for him, is Flame Boy. Flame on. <laughs> uh, no, uh, you're talking about the 90s one. You're talking about the Roger Corman movie. Yeah, did that I have a, seen it. Did that come out? Oh, bootleg. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think I've, I have a copy of it. I've seen it. It's terrible. I've seen it, but it's not a real movie. It it's got, god it got, awful. It got like, they, didn't, they never released it because the studio was just like... We, they made it just to keep the rights. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was talking about with the Spider-Man, but yeah. they made it just to keep the rights. They gave Roger Corman like a million dollars and said, fucking... Make us a Fantastic Four movie. Yeah. Knowing full well that they were 99% sure they were going to fucking shelf it. Yeah. And it should have been shelved. I should. Yeah, I will never movie. live down seeing Doctor Doom in a gold, uh, green LeMay cape. But so, it was terrible. So I have seen those two. Um, this, the first one's... Um, it's a product of its time, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's bad. I mean, like, let's see. I mean, it was It's also, bad in the way we, that... It's the same. It's riding the same wave as Ghost Rider was, which is horrible. Oh, Ghost Rider is not a good fucking movie. My son likes those movies, and I don't really well, know. 
Why? Like I said in our last episode, ten-year-old Thomas loved it. So I don't. I get it. You know, <laughs> you see, you see flames and skulls. It's sick, but like you go in with a critical it's, it's eye. And it's same, like it's right. No, right. No, it's right in the same way where it's just like you know, it's horrible early '90s or early 2000s movies like Underworld and Resident Evil were also coming out at the same time. Um, but the the remake wasn't any better. And that's the thing is like I'll I'll allow a reboot any day as long as it's better. Yeah, you got to gain traction, just like we said with Star Trek. You've got to put something into yeah, you it. Gotta, you got to elevate right. it. And like, it for sure did not. The, no, the the, the newest um, <laughs> Fantastic that? Four is garbage. Fan Fantastic or whatever yeah, the fuck they call it. I don't, I don't it, remember yeah. what it's called, but it was directed by the same dude that made. Um, can't remember what it's called, but it's the superhero teenage movie Chronicle. The Chronicle. Joshua Trank. Right, and he like. He was, I mean... Chronicle it, was good. He, right before that movie came out, was talking about how the studio interfered and ruined his movie and you're getting what you're getting because of the studio. And then, like, you see that movie and you're like... I get it. I get it. But, man, you didn't really have much to work with here in the first place. This movie wasn't going to be good no matter what. Right. And I really enjoy the actor, Michael B. Jordan. Mm-hmm. They cast him to play Johnny Storm. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand why they needed to... Uh, race change him. Mm. Uh, it's a very that's a very touchy subject. Well, it's, um, it it doesn't make sense because his sister's still white, right? And then they change it to like an adopted sister thing, which right. changes the entire dynamic, right. in my opinion. Yeah. But um, more to the point, I'm glad that Marvel movies gave him a second life as uh, uh, Eric Killmonger because holy shit, did yeah, he bat it out of the park? The uh, the guys who get to come back from playing that role, oh yeah, do something good. Yeah, well, because they it's always have something sentence. to prove. Yeah. And then I, and I think the same thing with uh, uh, Daredevil. Okay, we want to talk another reboot. Uh, we had the Daredevil movie back in the yeah. mid to early 2000s. Like 2002. With, it was uh, the same wave, though. Ben same, Affleck. Same wave as these other movies. Jen Garner, about. right, exactly. And, and there's some good about that movie. Now, things that I like about that movie, not necessarily Ben Affleck, but I really enjoyed um, Colin Farrell. As Bullseye. Did you? He was so hammy. He just yeah, chewed it up. That's what I'm saying. And I fucking dug it. I like that about He did. It. I mean, he was very villainous. Yeah. Uh, but I really loved Kingpin. Kingpin. Michael Clark oh, Duncan. Yeah. He did a real good See, Kingpin. And then there's another example of, of, of a race swap. But in this particular case, it really didn't matter because yeah, there's, there's a no white sister. Right, exactly. Yeah. There was nothing. There was no uh, nothing to be lost by changing it. Yeah. And holy shit, did he knock it out of the park? Yeah, he did amazing. I now, love that fight scene where he's bashing him against the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, because he's got the physicality to pull that. Yeah, shit it looks off. real. Yeah, it looks like he's actually doing and it. And so he might have been. I mean, shit, Michael Duncan. <laughs> right. And then, but they rebooted it for the Marvel Netflix shows. Mm-hmm. And I went into them a bit skeptical, mm-hmm. but Charlie Cox mm-hmm. killed it mm-hmm. as Murdoch, mm-hmm. and Vince D'Onofrio killed it and as like the that's, kingpin. That's one that defies my 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 side rule earlier, where it's like there needs to be enough time. Mm-hmm. There wasn't any time between them. I mean, like yeah, ten, maybe there's like ten years, there's like maybe. ten fifteen years. Yeah, but as far as like cinematic quality, like there wasn't CGI in the Netflix version because it's lo- it's lower budget. I mean, there is, but it's it's it's, it's street just, level versus. Cosmic it level, wasn't basically. Godzilla kind of update where it's no longer a dude in a suit. You know right. what I mean? Like it's a lot. It didn't bring a crazy amount of production to it, but like yeah, somebody who's better at writing stories, a better production team that cares more, mm-hmm. you get a better quality product out of it. And that really, what that did was that spawned that whole wave of Netflix uh, Marvel shows, which I enjoyed thoroughly, for one reason or another. Now Mike Colton as uh, 
as Luke Cage. Holy mm-hmm. shit, he was great. Mm-hmm. He was fantastic. Uh, Iron Fist, eh, take it or leave it. Uh, Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones, fantastic. Mm-hmm. They put an adult spin onto something that could very easily have gone down a goofy, silly path because even in the comics, Daredevil gets kind of a goofy rap sometimes. Well, and like you were definitely uh, worried about them not being adults reverent. because they're Netflix. Like, yeah. I remember thinking Punisher was going to be some water. Yeah. But it was definitely some blood, for sure. Holy shit. Well, what they did with... Uh, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Guy who played Shane. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I his name's saying. dancing on the tip of my tongue, and I'll remember it here in a minute, but... Uh, um, he was fantastic. Amazing, yeah. He was fantastic. And it... Cause, because it did what it did for Daredevil. It gave it a gritty, down-to-earth, street-level feel mm-hmm. that these characters have. These characters aren't off battling Alien of the Week. Yeah. These characters aren't off battling... You're not going to find Daredevil smacking Thanos. Yeah. That shit just wouldn't fly. Yeah. Thanos would flick his fingers and knock this guy halfway across the universe. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to see Punisher try to take on Galactus. Yeah, but they never feel like a B-team. It feels right. great. They feel like they're necessary and needed in their own carved out niche of mm-hmm. the Marvel Universe. And we've got a lot of that kind of thing going on right now is is I think that we've got such a broad universe now coming with the Marvel movies and things like that that DC just doesn't have really. Well, I feel like that's sorry, the why the newest Spider-Man reboot's kind of weak compared to the Sam Raimi original is because it's just filling a slice of a bigger pie. Mm-hmm. Whereas the first two Spider-Man were groundbreaking. Oh yeah, for their time, legendary. Now it's just another Superman. Now it's just another superhero movie. I'll I'll agree with you to that, but at the same time, Tom Holland is... Oh, he's a way better Spider-Man. Way way better. better. And the storytelling is far more succinct. They're able to bring in more of the Spider-Man-esque villains, like what they did with Mysterio was fantastic. The acting's way better. I haven't seen the newest one. Um, Oh, yeah. But the, I mean... I got a copy of it. The look on Birdman's face... (laughs) When our boy Petey walks into that house on homecoming night, and he's... he's the menace, the malice behind yeah, his face. It's amazing. It's great acting. That's a testament to Michael Keaton, yeah, too. Michael Keaton's amazing. He's my Batman. Um, but, you know, another, more reboots that I feel have gotten worse as time went on is any horror genre or any horror series. Like, oh, yeah, we got you know, Friday the 13th has been retreaded. Like, Nightmare they, on Elm Street I mean, there's like 20 retreaded. or 30 of each of those, of those. Yeah. And unless you're a fan of the genre and of that series, like, they don't, they're not good movies. I think the new Child's Play went straight to DVD. I don't... It might have. I don't know. I mean, it's just... I feel like horror in general is just one that's, like, cheap. Cheap, cheap, yeah, cheap, it's cheap easy cash to, grabs. Just pump them out. Yeah, you because had, they're not... You had a good idea the first time, and then you just kind of keep grabbing money after that. And that's something... I listened to a podcast called the ID10T Podcast with Chris Hardwick, and he's a huge horror fan. And he talks at one point about... The reason that a lot of the horror movies get remade and get remade in such quick cash grab fashion is because it's easy to do. Uh, yeah, they can it's, throw. It's, we got the IP. We got they can the throw two hundred thousand dollars at it and say make something mm-hmm. because once like things like Paranormal Activity and everything came out, uh, they're able to say, okay, well they did this money, this movie on a shoestring budget. Here's your shoestring budget. Make what you want. Yeah. And then they'll do that to like fifteen twenty people mm-hmm. out of those fifteen twenty movies. You're gonna get one or two that hit, and that's and that's where they make their money. You the you definitely get your most dollar back on horror movies, and you get your biggest cultural impact on like horror movies. Like look at it. 
Yeah, look at zombies. Oh, okay. I mean, the, you know, Night of Living Dead was probably shot for like sixty-four bucks. <laughs> you know, George Romero back in the day, right. just like almost like a Super Eight camera right. in a dream, and like it, it created a genre. There yeah. weren't. There was nothing. There wasn't zombies before that movie. Mm-hmm. He created them. So it's just you know, you can you can get a lot out of a little with horror, but when you're just relying on the title to sell a movie, that's what those movies are. It's just hey, we've got we've got a script. Does how it, many does yeah, how many under your play movies umbrella? have come out like that? Right. It's just does it fit under your umbrella of your title? All right, we'll, we'll call it that, or we'll retweak it so it falls under that. Yeah. Which versus the newer stuff that it is a little more edgy, like. Uh, Oh, was it Jordan Peele that came out with Get yeah, Out? Yeah, yeah, Get Out, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of new stuff that, like, wow, really cool, but, like... But uh, you got to tread through your Sharknado 15s before yeah, you get to... I think to... the horror genre kind of killed themselves in that. We're now, the last three or four years, we've seen a good turnaround in horror, mm-hmm. where it's really, like, creative stuff that you're... I haven't seen the second part of It, but I really like the, the, what they did with the first part. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more reverent to the book, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a which testament. Which is an acid to st- trip itself. Holy shit! Reading yeah. Stephen King back when I started reading Stephen King when I was I want to say twelve, thirteen. I read, and, Cujo, well, my, I read Cujo way too young for sure. Oh yeah, no, exactly. My dad was huge into Stephen King, yeah. uh, and so he had all the books, and so I got I was devouring books at a really young age, and so <laughs> way younger than I should have been. I picked up. I think I started with the Talisman, and worked my way into Cujo. And the Tommy well, yeah, well, you'll, you'll agree with me on this thing, since you've read it. Cujo's not so much about the dog. It's more like about drugs and sex and weirdness. <laughs> it's like the dog's kind of secondary in that one. So you like. As opposed to the movie, which scared the fuck out of me. Yeah. I, I couldn't go around dogs for a while after yeah, that I mean, came out. For real, in Cujo, it's like barely a thread. Anyways. Um, but, anyways, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, what you're saying is, is, is we get a lot. They do get their bang for their buck out of. Yeah. Because there's always going to be that niche market of people who will pay the money to see the movie. Right. Same thing with science fiction. Yeah. You're always going to have that built-in market to pay the money to see the movie. Same yeah. thing with uh, comic book movies these days. Yeah. You got your Marvel fans. You got your DC it's fans. The spaghetti westerns. Yeah. It's just, right. Exactly. You got a genre, it's episodic. You got a market. Right. And I know a lot of directors these days, like uh, Scorsese and uh, uh, who the hell else? What was the other one? Who was fucking dogging on? Uh, was it Francis Ford Coppola? I think so. Yeah, uh, dogging on, on Marvel. Marvel movies, talking yeah. about them being trash cinema and things like that. I think yeah. Jennifer Aniston came out and said something about that too. And th- again, like we said with the Toxic Fandom episode, they're allowed to have their opinions. They're filmmakers and actresses, but filmmakers by and large, they they make a particular genre of film. Mm-hmm. They have their particular opinions. They're allowed to have their opinions. It's when they go on news media and put it on blast to get attention or to draw attention away from what Marvel's doing in the cinemas and things like that is where they they kind of fucked up. Because now not only are they shitting on something that a lot of people love and have mad respect for, now they're putting themselves out there as the opposition. And now as yeah, the opposition they're there... crass about their co-workers. It's like, right. you, you got to face these dudes at some point. Right, exactly. You're all in the same industry, and now right. you've shit the bed. Right. Everyone's going to smell that you shit the right. bed. If there's a sequel to Friends, Paul Rudd's going to be there. Because he, <laughs> he never ages! <laughs> Paul Rudd. And he's going to show up in his Ant-Man costume. All shit aside, Paul Rudd is one of the coolest human beings, I swear to God. Yeah. But, I mean, uh... 
I, I don't think there's anything lost when a horror franchise gets a reboot, though. It's like, who gives a shit? You can make 20 it's popcorn Friday movies. Yeah, it's popcorn It's popcorn movies. shit. But, I mean, and I mean, look I at what Rob Zombie did. Rob Zombie added to the genre with uh, mm-hmm. his reboots on the Halloween franchise. He's got some pretty good shit out of um, that. And then, of course, after that, that got disregarded. And we're back to the straight-up sequel of Halloween, which is its mm-hmm. own thing. And they can be their own thing. Mm-hmm. I think Rob Zombie's telling of Halloween was his version of it. It's his take on it. And he's absolutely allowed to have that. It's not taking anything away from it. Now, that being said, there's been a big up, upset these days on the internet because there's talk going around of redoing The Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. And The Princess Bride is such a classic movie. Now, not one of my favorites. I've enjoyed it over the years, but I'm not rabid about it like a lot of people are. And a lot of people are really rabid about it. Yeah. And I get it. It's what you're into, it's what you're into. But it's been called the perfect movie by the actors in it. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie Elways, uh, the, who Carrie played. Elways, uh, he does uh, not work much anymore. No, Poor he bastard. does not. I love him, though. Uh, he took to Twitter uh, within the last couple of weeks and was talking about the idea of rebooting and retreading on uh, Princess Bride and why it was a bad idea. Why would you mess up the perfect movie? Yeah. And I'm paraphrasing, of course. I'm yeah. not giving the actual quote, but. Uh, a lot of people took umbrage with that and, and rallied behind his tweet and, and were talking about it. And But then the conversation shifted. Then it was, let's not just shit on a remake. What are the acceptable situations for a remake? And they started talking about, well, what if they made it as a Muppets movie? Mm. Kind of like they did with Muppets Treasure Island. Right. So what if they redid it as the Muppets, a Muppets take actually, on know, it? I, I would be, really be into cute. that. I think that'd be really fun. Because have Sweetums be, in the role of because uh, that's a Andre family the giant. movie that's really sweet and fun the whole way through. Well, not right. all. I mean, you know, it's kind of got for the most part to it. Yeah, well. But yeah, as a fun remake in Muppets, that'd be kind of nice to see. Right, I'd be. I'd into see it. an animated version, a cartoon version. That brings up some ideas I thought of. Uh, We're going to take a quick break for a a little commercial interruption. Stick around with us. We'll be right back. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one convenient place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, we're back. All right, so we were talking about Princess Bride. Now, let's talk about there are certain things that are not necessarily reboots, but continuations. We talked about Star Wars. Good or for bad, it's a continuation. Now, we've got a lot of other things these days that are getting the same kind of treatment. Veronica Mars just came out on Hulu with an entirely new series. I did not know that. Did you ever watch the originals? No, I don't really think I leave What's-Her-Face. Uh, Kristen Bell? Yeah, she's not my cup of tea. Eh, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I thought it was fun. I don't like husband either, Dex. In, in a bit of uh, uh, Patty... Not, not Patty Duke. What's her name? The... Uh, uh, Nancy Drew. 
kind of thing. Oh, okay. Like an updated Nancy Drew kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's the whole thing. That's um, a so they just started doing uh, a retread of that. Uh, they bring back shows like Mystery Science Theater 3000 through c- c- crowdfunding and fundraising that way. Mm-hmm. So that show's now living a new life. Mm-hmm. Um, what other shows do you think you can think of that they're bringing back? And whether or not do you feel that it's a cash grab or a true desire to continue a story? Well, I feel like um, Netflix has been a big proponent of these mild, oh, mild cash grabs. Because you can't really do a cash grab at Netflix. You have to try to make content that's good enough to keep people around. Because they're not like, getting not, movie ticket dollars. Right. You're not. There's not... Like, you just have to keep making... Everything has to be good. You have to hope that everything's a stranger things. But, so they pump out, like... Or they throw everything at the wall for that. Right. So, you know, what's that, um... San Francisco sitcom with all the people that live in the... Full Full House. House. Yeah, Fuller House. Fuller House didn't need a show. But they know that there's a huge market for it. I'm gonna say I watched the first season. Right, I'm just saying, there there wasn't, like... Fuller House didn't need more. It's kind of a cash grab. But how much they cash changed can up you the formula a little bit. But yeah, it's not a big bucket, right. but it's a market. And it's, it's, it's nostalgia, right? It's a hundred percent nostalgia so casting. Yeah, so that's it's like all right. Well, they're not doing. They're not grabbing a ton of cash with that, but it's kind of good. There's a market for it. You know, there's always a market for nostalgia. I'll allow it. So you know, there's little stuff like that. Well, then you got like uh, Beverly Hills Cops coming back. Did you hear about that one? No, they're bringing Eddie Murphy back. To I do bring Beverly Hills Cops. I want Eddie Murphy back in my life. Absolutely. Dude, Where the hell did he go? He he fell off because he started having kids. So he started having kids, and then he only wanted to make kids movies. And all of his kids movies after Doctor Doolittle sucked. So <laughs> Doctor Doolittle was great, and then he's like, "Yeah, I should always do kids movies because my kids love it." <laughs> they just but then he did Doctor Doolittle, right? But then he did Haunted Mansion, and Haunted Mansion was fucking garbage. Yeah. And then he did and something Pluto else. Nash. After, right. And he did something else after that that was also garbage. And then like we, he fell off. They're rebooting Doctor Doolittle yeah, with Robert Downey Jr. I know, which is kind of weird because Robert Downey Jr. is like he's Iron Man. I mean, he's old. Not no offense to him, but he's an older gentleman, and Eddie Murphy's an older gentleman. If you're going to make another Doctor Doolittle, why don't you just make Doctor Doolittle Part Three with Eddie Murphy, and just reignite Eddie Murphy's career? Yeah, because the dude, the dude's hot. Yeah, he dude, definitely dude, needs dude, something. Dude shouldn't have ever fell off the map. Um, let's see, what else are they kind of bringing back? Um, I really like this bring back and or a reboot. Um, the Sabrina. I have not watched the that Sabrina, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. The Sabrina on Netflix is fucking great. Is it? The Riverdale, whatever that one is, is not good. I've watched the, the melodrama based yeah, I've around Archie. The, yeah, I've watched the first three seasons of that, or maybe the first two seasons, and it gets just like ridiculous and stupid. It's kind of like a CW drama show where it's like you know it's too over the top to be any good. Well, CW but, keeps cranking out shit that they're trying to, to, to appeal to the mass audience yeah. at large, and they should probably and the first just skip to superheroes. Sabrina shit. is definitely in that same vein, but it it does it a lot better. So it's and like. I'm just saying that's a really dead franchise to get rebooted. The Harvey comics. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a really dead to bring. When, when back are we going to get Richie Rich? When Sabrina are we get Richie was. Rich? It was weird to bring back Sabrina in the '90s. It, now it's really fucking weird to bring her back in the in the in the teens. Yeah. But, well, and and oh, just what they've done with Archie is kind of. Yeah. Well, you know, whatever. Yeah, whatever. It's it's way off the rails. But, you know, there's those shows were. I can't believe they remade that stuff. Yeah, um, and then with because well, but it's not a strong IP. There's it's not on the right. tip of the tongue. It's it doesn't like have that Adams family core audience. When was the last? When was the Adams family? Adams family was 
in the 60s, right? On TV? 50s? In the, uh, 50s and 60s, I believe, in, on the TV. It was, it was black and white. It was black and first. white, yeah. So it was definitely 50s. I could look it up, but I'm too lazy. But, all right. But then it got brought back again for two movies in the 90s. Which were very, very well received. But a cold anvil, for sure. For sure. That was not hot gold that they were striking. And then no. to bring it back now, that well's pretty fucking pump dry, dude. There's not a lot of Adams Family fans. I gotta say, I'm into seeing the new movie. I haven't seen it yet, but uh, the kids and I were gonna go I'm see saying, it. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's a reboot that you're like, oh, why are you still rebooting the Adams? Well, Family? I because th- I think every time There's they no, try to bring some. something back, they're trying to bring something back that might catch now. Like maybe it didn't catch back right. with the two movies, which I thought it did. Right. But like you said, cold franchise. Very cold franchise, dude. But they're hoping to bring it back and back Viz Kids or Garfield. How would you feel if Garfield came back? The animated one or the three D one? Either. Or the Bill Murray voiced. That's a reboot right there, dude. Garfield from when we were What about what about uh uh Alvin and the Chipmunks? Dude, that's what I'm saying. Like there's a lot of stuff. Those are Yogi Bear. Yeah, those are definitely some reboots that we that shouldn't have been done. Like we're over here talking about like they're Star trying Wars, to appeal to kids, but, but Jesus Christ, you know what's yeah. never gonna get done? What's that? Back to the Future. Robert Zemeckis said no fucking way. He said good over, over my dead body. Oh, I'm so happy. Yeah. Well, look at what happened with Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah. Harold Ramis said over my dead body. He dies. His body's not even cold, and now they're making another one. Yeah. Which hopefully will be more relevant to the source material. Speaking of reboots that didn't quite catch any traction. Uh, and I think that one was mostly due to the fan outrage, uh, which was not really yeah. warranted. Yes, it was kind of a shitty movie, but I mean, but that's the thing is people hated it before they saw it. And right. It was definitely like they're hating it without. I mean, it was they hated it based on it, it existing. Right. It, it wasn't. It's there was artistic, no merit artistic behind it. Yeah. Merit. It was just like, hey, we don't want this thing that's been important to us to be it remade. But it's like, well. How how is the studio going to know what it can cash in on its IP and get its pockets lined, and what's a cultural milestone that we can't touch? It's like, well, yeah, there's a fine line. There's a fine line. I, I don't. Well, look at uh, Evil Dead. Evil I Dead. I don't know if you're a fan of the Evil Dead series. Mm-hmm. Um, Ash versus the Evil Dead that came back. Ash versus the Evil Dead came back, and I went into it wanting to hate it. Mm-hmm. I never saw the reboot movie of oh, Evil really? Dead. I didn't see the reboot movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it didn't have Bruce Campbell in yeah, it, was I wasn't point, really yeah. interested in it. But um, Ash versus Evil Dead, I went into it thinking, "Oh God, here we go, cash grab bullshit." I fucking loved it. I heard it was great. It Did was it, so much. It's fun. already canceled. Yeah, that's yeah a, it seasons? went like three seasons, three four, or four seasons? Yeah. yeah, it's on Netflix. But they're making another movie. Oh really? They're making another Evil. Dead. Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell are coming back together to make another Spending Evil Dead. Spending all that Spider Man money, right? You know, he was in all those. Bruce Campbell. I know. I love. I, lo- I loved his bit parts so much. He, he was kind I of the Stan it. Lee before Stan Lee did it. Dude, I know that was real good. Uh, rest in peace, Stan. But uh, you're right. Where do we find and draw the line between your Back to the Futures and your Princess Brides mm-hmm. and your movies that should not be touched mm-hmm. versus the movies that get retread and retold thousands of times. Total Recall. Right. And fucking RoboCop. Everybody's fucking begging Predator. for more Star Wars every time it comes around. I'm, they shit on it and then they want more. I, I always want more lightsabers in my life. I always want more space racing. You know, it's just... But Absolutely. Like, I'm looking forward to The Mandalorian. Right. So it's always like... Yo, I think people just want more from these worlds. 
I'll give you another example of a good... But uh, not more of the same story. Right, like, it's got to be fresh. I don't want to hear more about... I don't want them to ruin the story of Han Solo by getting bitched by his own son. Yeah. But <laughs> I do want to see somebody get stabbed by a lightsaber and fall right. down the, inner, the center of this shield generator. It's sick. Right. But I just don't want it to be Han because, right. you know, that story was Leave good. Han alone. Right. Another uh, version of a good thing is something my daughter's really been into lately. Um, it's something I watched growing up. DuckTales. Oh my god, I love DuckTales Have you DuckTales watched the new DuckTales? No, but I've heard some things and I saw a YouTube clip where they use his act like Donald's real voice where he breaks the <laughs> It was character. Don Cheadle? And it was Don Cheadle. <laughs> yeah, and he's just I thought that was so funny. I loved it. You, you could understand Donald for once and it yeah. was so fucking jarring. Super it was funny. fantastic. But my daughter's super into mm-hmm. the new DuckTales, and I found myself getting into the new DuckTales because mm-hmm. have of her excitement, and Gizmo Duck is in it. Yeah. Uh, played by uh, Lin-Manuel uh, Miranda. Miranda, yeah. And uh, they're bringing back Darkwing Duck as a result of this. See, and like... He's going to be in the new season that's, and that's coming the thing. out. It's like, if I, I would have said, don't remake that show because it was fine. Like, yeah. you know... I just realized I'm nodding my head, just, but I need to actually say right, something because this isn't a podcast, visual medium. Podcast. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, like, if before I would have said don't remake it, it's one, I would have told you it's a dead IP. Right. DuckTales. Right. Dude, we're, this isn't Sweden. We didn't grow up on those comics. It was just like a two season, ep- two season cartoon. It like wasn't, you know. Right. That's something like 70 something. It's been like 20 something. years since it was a thing. But they did it but so well. But they did well. it, and they, apparently they're nailing it. They so fucking it's like, nailed it. You know? And now I and find myself that one's, waiting for Disney Plus to come along because I can't wait to see the new season. That's another one. Is that a cash grab? Because who the fuck is going to be shelling out ducats for ducks? I'll tell you what. Kids will. Because it well, still resonates. Dogs, so no, they won't. Their parents will. But Their parents the sit on the, like, on the retro yeah, scale just like, with it. I think it's hot to hit the nostalgia right. on reboots because it appears it appeals to the people that have money. Right. And, and to the point of that, like, I'll tell you something really kind of cool as an aside. What they did with uh, Darkwing Duck mm-hmm. to pique my interest, because I'm a huge Darkwing Duck. I'm looking at my DVD shelf. I can see it on the shelf right there. Mm-hmm. They, uh, middle on the second shelf. I had to look at it. I yeah. see Peter Pan. <laughs> Top of the middle row on the second shelf. Oh, I see it. I see it. But uh, what they did with him is uh, Launchpad. Who was a character that transcended both Darkwing Duck and uh, mm-hmm. DuckTales. Which they never, they never fucking explained. Um, <laughs> because apparently the it. universes were separate. So there's just two launch pads, two shows, whatever. But uh, they made it so Darkwing Duck was a television show in the vein of 60s Batman. Okay? Okay. And Launchpad was a huge fan. And so he goes to a signing to get Darkwing Duck's autograph, mm-hmm. uh, played again by Jim Cummings, mm-hmm. the guy who voiced him in the original. And what happens is is they're rebooting, which is kind of on topic, they're rebooting Darkwing Duck for a modern sensibility a la uh, Batman v Superman. Mm. Okay, so they're trying to grim dark, grim dark. Darkwing Duck. Try hard. Mm-hmm. Grim dark, try hard. And so they're trying to do that with Darkwing Duck, and the original Darkwing actor gets uh, all kinds of shitty about it because they're redoing it without inviting him in, without right. making he him a Andrew part Garfield's of it. it. Yeah, yeah, or right. Jared Leto's it. 
<laughs> I don't think Andrew Garfield. Right. I don't think Andrew Garfield was mad that he didn't get the new Spider Man. But no, you I know think Jared. He's fine with you him. know Jared Leto. Jared Leto's so fucking pissed, pissed that he's not Joker. We'll talk about that in a second. But but so he tries to crash the remake and make it all about him to get inside of it, and in doing so, uh, the new actor has to become basically Darkwing Duck, whereas the original Darkwing Duck becomes Nega Duck. That actually sounds super cool. Doesn't that sound sick? Yeah. I'm so looking forward to more of that. Yeah. And so they they did a reboot in a reboot, which kind of made me that laugh. That actually but, sounds really interesting. But now that you've mentioned, let's talk about the Joker a little bit. I haven't seen there it. There are you so have. I have, and I won't spoil too much of it for you. Mm-hmm. But there are lots of different interpretations of the Joker, and each one of them treads different ground. Well, I feel like it's important to say, so like, um, I mean, we've all seen Uncle Ben die. Right. How many times? Too many times. Too many but times. But it's like, everybody knows two stories in, all over the world. Jesus and Peter Parker. They all know. And he, Thomas he, and Martha Wayne. Right. Like, Why did you say that right. name? So there, there's like stories that, and like, so like origin stories get told over and over and over again. Ad nauseum. And I feel like people think that they know the Joker's origin story. But is that don't. he's just fallen into a vat of acid or something. And then he's just. But he's, there's more than one Joker, which is right. what a lot of people don't so, get. So is this an this this is an origin story? Yes. Which people, when they first heard about it, were like, "Quit fucking making origin stories and quit remaking movies." But this is movies. something that they were not expecting, right? And the reason that they were not expecting it again, because there's so many different origins and there's so many different versions of the character, just like there's so many different versions of Batman. All of Batman's stories stem from the same origin, with mm-hmm. maybe the exception of uh, Adam West, because Adam West was just kind of his own fucking groovy thing back in the day. Um, so you had your Cesar Romero Joker, who was more your clown prince of crime, kind of a comical foil for Batman. Mm-hmm. Then you move into the 80s with your uh, Jack Nicholson. A bit more gangster, a bit more yeah street level, mm-hmm. knocked into the pit of acid, mm-hmm. goes fucking insane. Mm-hmm. I liked that version of it. That was my version of it. Pretty good. What did you say, 10-year-old Thomas liked that shit? That was... 12-year-old Kevin loved that shit. Um, 89? I was, I was zero. <laughs> I was born that year. But um, I remember seeing it because I watched the animated Batman. And so once I got hooked on that, my parents were like, well, there is a Batman movie. Fucking Mark so, Hamill. So I saw Bat- Batman and Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that it was, like, scary. It did add a bit of darkness to it, but as we discussed previously, Batman is darkness. Right. So, but I mean, yeah, as like an eight-year-old, seven-year-old, or something like that. I oh was yeah. Just like, Whoa, this movie's intense. And then, dudes. and then, like you said, we have the animated Batman mm-hmm. with his animated Joker, Mark Hamill, who does a fantastic job. Fantastic. There's a reason he's played that character for so many years. Mm-hmm. Go, Luke Skywalker, go! But then you have your Heath Ledger Joker, mm-hmm. and I think. Uh, at least for me, I was very skeptical going in because I've had these examples of the Joker that I really enjoyed. And every time there's a new pair of shoes to fill, uh, you either walk away feeling that they did a really good job or you are mm-hmm. disappointed and upset. And Heath Ledger did such a yeah. seminal job in that role that it killed him, right. honestly. Well, when, the role that's killed the thing him. Is that there's one, this, when the same role gets played over and over again, people will find their different measuring sticks of who did it best. Right. Exactly. And that's the nature of what fandom is. Yeah. And then we have Jared Leto. 
Jared Leto's Joker was a version of the Joker that no one has ever seen before. Mm-hmm. No one ever wanted. Dear listener, if you could see the look on my face right now. It was so bad. It was horrible. It was bad. Uh, I, I struggle to try and find any kind of I feel like it was common kind of ground for embarrassing. him. Embarrassing. Like, I feel like he misunderstood it so far. And I think David Iyer kind of went the same way with it. He just yeah. did not understand the character. Yeah. Uh, or the interplay between him and Harley as well. And um, the movie. Like, yeah, it they, was... They were both elements removed from the movie, it felt like. But now that they've rebooted the character, Jared Leto is so fucking angry. Yeah. He went on a rampage last week where he said, well, I'm not ever coming back to play the Joker. It's like, well, fool, nobody asked you. Yeah. Dude, There's a reason they did Suicide Squad 2. No, they are making are a they? Suicide Squad 2. <laughs> James Gunn's making it, but he hasn't been invited back. Yeah, I can see that. And they're making a Harley Quinn movie. Oh, my God. Birds of Prey, and he's not involved with that either. There's a reason they didn't ask you back, Jared, and it's not a reflection of you as an actor. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've done fantastic things. I know you have a fucking Oscar or a Grammy or whatever the fuck you have, Mr. I mean, 30 Seconds to Mars. You I got know hair. You got, yeah. I don't know, whatever. You got your cult-like following, and that's Mr. Nobody fine. was all right. That's fine. But now comes in Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. And the take that they're going on with this role is, and I think where they found the pocket with this character is because this isn't a superhero movie. It takes mm-hmm. place in a superhero genre, in a superhero vein, but there are no tights, there are no capes, there right. are no superpowers in this right. movie. This entire movie is generated to show you the absolute destruction of a human psyche down to brass tacks, down to the wood, and what comes next Mm -hmm. because we don't oftentimes get to see that kind of gritty realism in a movie we there's got to be some kind of positivity there's got to be some kind of redemption there's no redemption you don't redeem the joker it's you start off on like level 10 and he's already kind of shit at level 10 Mm -hmm. And then as the movie progresses, you just see him go down a level, level 9, level 8, level 7. By the time we're at the the uh, the denouement at the end, he's gone. <laughs> he is gone. Arthur Fleck is gone, which I don't even get into the funniness of naming a character A. Fleck in a Batman universe, but that's neither here nor there. But Arthur Fleck is gone. He just does not exist anymore. He's been broken to the point where he is gone and all that remains all that's left to pick up the pieces is joker it's interesting because it's not like a reboot it's just a character we've seen a lot it's a different but he's getting his own thing right which is like something that you don't get you don't get much at all because like how often do you get characters that deserve their own story outside of their the bigger world that they came from? Now it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting process to see if then if and how they wend him into the Batman mythos as a whole. Do you think they're gonna? You think they're gonna bring it back and make it relevant? Do you think they're gonna try to DC universe him? They might. I'm glad they're, they did. I'm, I'm, I'm glad sure the they're gonna try. Died. Tom Tom fucking Tom Hanks fucked that up. Or not Tom Hanks. Tom Cruise. The Mummy Universe. The, mummy the, universe. the Dark Universe dark that they universe. were trying the to put together. Universe, I'm glad that died in the water. Yeah, I, I'm That was a little sure. off topic, but... Well, right, but... but I mean, think, that's do, a reboot. Do you think they're going to DC Universe the Joker? I don't think I don't. Think I think it's fits. about a 50-50 chance. I don't think he fits. 
I don't think so either. But they are retreading Batman right now. They're remaking oh, that's Batman true. with they're like uh, they're oh, they're already jumping ship on like their own universe origin story. Yeah, they've already kind of trashed the idea of a joined universe. They're gonna keep still keep fucking around with it. But, is uh, but uh, New Moon vampire Robert Pattinson? Robert Pattinson, yeah. I and actually really like him. He's a good actor. I'm. <laughs> I really hate to say this, but I'm actually kind of looking forward to see what they can do with the role. Yeah, no, I think he's great. I didn't I don't mind Ben what, Affleck. Ben Affleck was great in the role. He was just as dark as it needed to be. I haven't seen the Twilight movies. Okay, me neither. I mean, I've I've, I've had exes try to make me watch them, but I saw him in something else, and he was fantastic. So, he was in Harry Potter. Besides Harry Potter, he was in Harry Potter for like <laughs> ten minutes. Ten minutes total. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I mean, I. <sighs> I'm not going to shit on any of the actors in uh, in uh, the Twilight movies. Kristen Stewart is a decent actress for what she does. Well, it's a harder job than I've ever had to do, that's for sure. It, it's the material. Yeah. It's all the material. Not, so. I couldn't put myself in front of a camera like that. <laughs> Nor can I. But I think, uh, so kind of we're going to kind of wrap things up here, but I think the kind of the overall arc here that we're talking about is there are definitely things that are going to be remade as cash grabs. Mm-hmm. And fans are either going to love it or hate it. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's uh, things that you're going to want protected. The things you're going to want protected, and then there's things that you're going to be like, oh, okay, well they've got new technology. Let's see what they can do with it. Mm-hmm. I think, as you said earlier, if as long as people are willing to put the effort into uh, bridge new ground, to come up with something new, to bring us something, some part of what we love that we haven't seen before, to make it more relevant to the now. Mm-hmm. I'm all for it. Yeah. I'm interested in seeing what people can do with certain IPs. I'm not necessarily so precious about, you know, things like Star Wars. I mean, I used to be. But now I'm at the point of a let's just see what happens kind of a phase. Well, yeah. I mean, I I never grew up on Transformers. I love the first Transformers movie. And then they all went super far downhill immediately after that. Right. And so it's like, well. But then they brought back Bumblebee. And Did you watch was, Bumblebee? And Bumblebee was great. Fantastic. So like, and you know, you can't be a fan of everything. Not everything's going to... Yeah, the new Ninja Turtles. Right. I mean, I grew up on Ninja Turtles. I'm not going to even bother seeing the new ones. Yeah. You could still be a fan, though. Yeah. You can be... And, and I think that's kind of the where we where we set it off. If you're a fan of something, you can continue to be a fan of something, regardless of if something else comes along and shakes the tree. Mm-hmm. You know? You can either get behind the new project saying, oh, okay, well, I'll give it a shot. We'll see what happens, like DuckTales, and see what kind of new ground they tread, which they are, and I'm excited for. Or you can say, I'm okay living in my nostalgia. I'll keep what came before, and whatever comes afterwards, maybe that's for someone else, not for me. Uh, I wouldn't recommend going down the path of hate just because... It's really not serving a purpose. I mean, you can even like the new stuff that sucks. Ten-year-old Thomas loved that Godzilla movie. You know? There's yeah. all, there's, it's, you know, not for everybody, but somebody likes it. Right. There's always an audience for something. If horror movies have taught me anything, there's always an audience built in for something. Right. And studios are going to continue to throw shit at the wall to see what sticks. And unfortunately, that means there's going to be a lot of reboots, a lot of remakes, a lot of retreads. So there's really no getting away from it. The only real things we have to do with it are either stand with them, stand against them, or ignore them. I mean, and that's kind of where we sit. Write so. your own movie. 
if you have a problem with it. Right. If you want something original, break the mold. Or just write Tomb Raider third reboot, and then that's how you get your movie made that way. Right. Just write a generic action film, let them change the main character's name, that's how you get your movie made. <laughs> so would you say be the change you want to see yeah, in the world? Yeah, be the change you want to see. Write a generic action movie, they'll throw Bruce Willis on there called Die Hard 7, you're good to go. <laughs> Don't even worry about it. At what point does selling out yeah, just you can not have matter. an original movie, just a rehashed title. It's all the same. Fuck it. Right. Get if you if you want to have something original, make it yourself. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. So that's how you do it. All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining yeah, us again everybody. on the uh, Feel Your Fandom podcast, uh, Thomas. Thank you for joining me of again. Course, thanks for having me. And uh, like I tell you guys all the time, I want to remind you that uh, uh, everything is fandom, and fandom is everything. Take care.